Well, we've had a great Sunday so far. Uh, for me, the baptisms are always like the biggest highlight, and so that was just awesome today. But I want to continue uh, for this, this last portion of our service. I want to continue on the series we started last week entitled Deeple, uh, deep, blah, blah, blah. I'll say it properly. Deeper Faithfulness. Not that hard to say. Everybody say Deeper Faithfulness. So if you want to start with me at Psalm 37, verse 3, we're just going to dive right in and, uh, and get into the meat of this. Psalm 37, verse 3 in the New American Standard Bible, it says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Everybody say cultivate. I love the translation of this word cultivate because we're talking about faithfulness. Um, obviously, last week I laid a lot of a foundation of what faithfulness is, speaking to faithfulness. If you didn't listen to the message, I'd invite you to go to our podcast, to go to our YouTube channel, and you can make sure, because uh, it's just some things I don't have time to repeat and run through again to make sure to put a focus on us. But we're talking about faithfulness, but I love this word cultivate, because the word cultivate carries a connotation of something that you develop over time. A lot of us would use this word when it came to uh, like growing crops, farming. I don't know if we have a lot of farmers in here today. Probably not, I'm guessing, but we may have some gardeners, some people who love cultivating uh, you know, your gardens, cultivating your yard, uh, whatever, whatever your context may be. But the word cultivate definitely does not speak of something that's a quick fix, a microwave solution, something that just happens right away. It's something that is developed over time. And it's interesting because there's this connotation with this word faithfulness and us going deeper in faithfulness that really is tied to this element of doing something over time, staying consistent with something, staying you know, faithful with something. And so part of the heart even this month is we're talking about this, but it's to inspire, to encourage, to challenge, to call each one of us to, to a lifestyle of cultivating faithfulness. It's not flashy a lot of times, it, it, it can be a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of elements where you're just being faithful, but it's this cultivation of faithfulness. Everybody say cultivate faithfulness. And so if you'll remember, for those of you who are here, last week we did begin and laid a foundation for this series talking about deeper faithfulness, and we really focused in two key areas. We talked about how faithfulness is to be loyal or to give your affection to something or someone, and we talked about faithfulness to Jesus and that we would be people who are faithful to him, and that we are faithful. And then we talked about the second kind of part of a definition of faithfulness is to stay true to an original copy. Something is a faithful, to, stay, to kind of stay true to an original. And so we talked about how faithfulness is very much connected to the word of God. Sometimes someone can say, oh yeah, I'm going to be faithful to Jesus, but that's a very um, abstract concept. That can look like a lot for a lot of people. That can mean a lot for a lot of different people. So we have this faithfulness to Jesus, but when we really bring it to faithfulness to the Word, He is the living Word. He is the Word made flesh. That's what it tells us in John chapter 1. He is the Word. So then it becomes we're going to be faithful to the Word of God. We're going to be faithful to what the Word of God teaches. We're going to be faithful to the standard that the Word of God sets in our life. And that I can't say I'm being faithful to Jesus if I'm not being faithful to the Word because He is the Word. And so we talked about that. And what I wanted as I prayed today, I felt like I just want to continue to dive even a little deeper into faithfulness. I want to dive a little deeper into just some things we touched on last week. So if you want to go with me to 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. 
We read this verse last week. I talked about it a little bit. I want to recap a couple of those things, but then I want to talk about a few other elements. So let's read there. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now let's just lay a little bit of a foundation out of this verse. The first thing, don't you, this is Paul, and he is writing to Timothy. And the context you always need to remember, especially in the book of 2 Timothy, is that Paul is writing to Timothy as he is leading through a massive persecution against the church. At the time that 2 Timothy was written, many Bible scholars believe it was at the time that Nero, the Roman emperor, had unleashed a brutal oppression against Christians. And so Timothy was pastoring the church of Ephesus. Many Bible scholars believe that that church was like 50 to 60,000 people. But this massive persecution has come. And there is people dropping left, right, and center. When you understand the context, it gives even more gravity to many of the things that Paul is saying to Timothy. And so he starts, he says, I charge you. I love this word, I charge you. It's, It's a very powerful word. It's an action word. It's not saying I suggest to you. It's not saying, well, if it's convenient, it's almost like a charge would be something, thinking of a general, perhaps who's standing in front of his troops as they're preparing to go into battle. And he is standing there, and he is encouraging them. He is exhorting them. He is literally, there is a command in what he's saying, and Paul is using the same language with Timothy. He's saying, so I'm charging you in some things. It's First Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 4, so he's already spoken a lot of different things to him. But he's saying, I charge you. And then the next thing that stands out to me is he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So Paul starts and says, I'm charging. I'm bringing a holy command to you. And I'm bringing this holy command to you in light of two things. Number one, in light of remember the fact that you are going to stand before God and give an account for your life. He reminds him, he speaks to him of the judgment. And we talked about this last week, so I don't want to go too far down this road again. But we are eternal beings. It's not just this life on this earth and then it's done. The Bible teaches that you and I are eternal spirits. And the Bible says that is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. We stand before God and we will give an account. So Paul's bringing this charge to Timothy and he's reminded, remember Timothy, whatever you're going through right now, As hard as it is right now, as difficult as it is right now for you, you are going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. You're going to stand before him. And so he reminds him of that. Not as he reminds him of that, he says, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So he also says, I'm reminding you you're going to stand before God and you're going to give account. But I also want to remind you that Jesus is returning. That Jesus is coming back. There's this element of accountability. And we see it throughout the scriptures that we look for the return of the Lord. And so he reminds him that Jesus is returning, that he's coming. He reminds him that we're part of a much bigger kingdom. So much of what we experience, guys, and part of this message we'll tie into it today, we're, we're dealing with a clash of kingdoms. The Bible talks about the kingdom of darkness, and it talks about the kingdom of light. 
And there is a conflict that's happening in the world right now. Now, we know Jesus is victorious. We know the kingdom of God will rule over all. We've read the end of the book. We know how it's going to finish. But in the meantime, there is still a conflict that comes between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Now, if you made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, which I know the vast majority of you have, you are in the kingdom of light. But you still have to stand in that place because you can still get pulled into standing for things that are of the kingdom of darkness. So he reminds him of this. And then I love this, and again, I hit this a lot last week, but I still want to touch on it briefly today. He said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Now, in season and out of season is a phrase most of us are not familiar with, but really what it refers to is when it's popular and when it's not. Preach the word. Now, do you understand? Think of the context. Because what Timothy was preaching right now in Ephesus was not popular. Nor was it not popular, it was getting people killed. Things were happening left, right, and center. But Paul says, I charge you, Timothy, in the middle of this challenging time, in the middle of what's going on, I bring a holy command. I bring a holy charge to you. Remember that one day you'll stand before Jesus and give account. Remember that he is returning. Remember that you are part of a greater kingdom than anything that's going on right now. And I charge you, in the middle of this very difficult situation, preach the word. Whether it's popular or whether it's not. Why does he have to say that? Because it was not popular right then for Timothy to do it. It was hard. It was not easy. But there was this charge, preach the word. Now, I know a lot of you sitting here don't really get a chance to preach very much. So it doesn't connect. But can I just contextualize a little bit more? If the Apostle Paul was standing here today in this pulpit instead of me, which would be pretty awesome, I think that would be a pretty amazing message, I'd invite him to stay forever. But, you know, if the Apostle Paul was here and he was preaching, he'd say to us, stand on the word. Whether it's popular or whether it's not. And family, this is important because we are in a day and an age where there are many things and it's growing increasingly that are in this word of God that God says are right that are becoming unpopular. That if you stand for it can cost you. That if you stand for, you may pay a price for. But in the same words of what Paul said to Timothy, I believe he would say the same thing to us. And he'd say, even if it's challenging right now, family, even if you're coming into days that may be even more challenging, stand on the word. Whether it's popular or not, whether you win, you know, whether you're loved or whether you're not, whether people understand or not, you need to stand on the word of God. You need to stand with Jesus. Come on, somebody say, stand with Jesus. See, here's, here's one of the things we've got to hold on to. Part of the deception the enemy's going to try to bring is that you can stand with Jesus but reject the word. You can't do that. If you reject the word, you reject Jesus because he is the word. And that's, that's where it's going to come from. Now, the next part that I love of this is, watch this. Next it says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, a lot of times, again, I was going over this, and I often, I'll read First and Second Timothy as a pastor, as a Christian leader, but something that jumped out to me when I was preparing for this message really hit me. A lot of times, so I'll think, yes, I need to reprove, which really needs to bring alignment, right? Reproving means to kind of bring something that's out of alignment into alignment. I need to be bold to rebuke if I need to rebuke. You know, I think through that. I need to exhort. I need to bring exhortations. But something the Lord challenged me with this week, he said, let's flip that for a second, Brendan. He said, how open are you to being reproved? How open are you to being rebuked? How open are you to being exhorted? 
Don't just put yourself in the spot of you doing it. Actually, if you want to be someone who stands with Jesus, if you want to be someone who stands with the word, how open are you to being reproved in your life? How open are you to being rebuked? I don't know. Does anyone here like being rebuked? I don't like being rebuked. I don't like it for multiple reasons. One of the core reasons, though, is I don't like doing things wrong. I want to do things right. But part of what the Lord was challenging me is saying, if you, if you feel like you never have to be reproved, you never have to rebuke, you're not open to exhortation, you're actually living in pride. And you're setting yourself up for deception. But sometimes what I found happened in my life was I so didn't want to be wrong, I just, I didn't want to hear it. You know, sometimes you don't want to know what somebody really thinks about it. You just want to be able to kind of live your life and do your thing. But the Lord's saying to me, if you're going to be someone who stands with the word, if you're going to be someone who stands with me, you have to have a heart that says, Lord, reprove me. Lord, if I need to be rebuked, I want to be rebuked. It might hurt in the moment, but it's going to hurt a lot more if someone just pats me on the back and says, oh, isn't that nice? That's so great. And I end up way off in left field away from where I'm supposed to be. I want to be rebuked. I want to be exhorted. So why it's so important that we're gathering together because so many of these things happen as we come together. If I'm, you know, I don't know quite where the stat is exactly where they got it, but they say something like now the average Canadian Christian goes to church 1.4 times a month. Don't know where to get the point for. That's not going to cut it, guys. That doesn't cut it. There's faithfulness. Being in a place where I say, you know, a lot of it has to do with teachability. Can I encourage you, if you want to cultivate anything in your life as a Christian, cultivate being teachable. I really work on this. I really work on this. I'm, Lord, I want to be teachable. If it's a child who's bringing something that I know I need to hear, I want to hear that. I want to stay in a place to teach. Because here's what I've watched over 20 plus years of pastoral ministry, long of that being a Christian. You can be messed up. You can have issues and problems. But if you just stay teachable, God can always get the answers to you to help you go. You might be sitting here listening to me today. You're just like, oh, I'm just terrible at being a Christian, and i got so many issues, and i got so many problems. If you'll just stay teachable, you'll just stay hungry and humble and open to God, he will get you where you need to go. The dangerous place to be is when nobody can say anything to you. You're not teachable. You already know. You have excuses for everything. It's always somebody else's fault. That's where I'm concerned. Because you want to stay in a place of being teachable. Everybody say, be teachable. And it's interesting here because then it says, and I want to take, I got to jump out of here pretty quick. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from the truth and wander off into myths. Now, let me just say this. One of the things, if we're talking about being faithful in the days that we're in and the days that are coming as Christians, one of the things that's so important, you've got to understand how the devil's going to come at you. Most of us have this picture that he's going to come and he's going to try and get us to deny the Bible and deny Jesus and just, I'm done with all this. You know, for most of us, he's not going to come that direction. You know why? Because it's too obvious. We're like, no, I'm not going to die, Jesus. I'm not going it, to. It's too out there and obvious. But this actually gives us insight into one of his main strategies. Rather than trying to get you to deny it, what he does is he sends false teaching. He sends teaching. He sends things that sound right, but if you actually understand the word of God, you realize, no, no, this isn't right. And he gets you thinking you're still good thinking you're still following Jesus, thinking you're still in the right place when you are actually wandering off into mist. 
and you're wandering off into all these different areas. You're wandering into these things and you're getting pulled away, but you actually think. That's actually the most dangerous spot, isn't it? Because you think you're good. You think you're okay. That's why it talks about be on guard against deception. So it's very important as we're talking about faithfulness. That's why I'm faithful to Jesus. I'm faithful to his word. But I also encourage you, one of the things I'm working on cultivating my life in this faithfulness is a humility that says, you know what? God, I just want to stay close to you. I want to stay close to your word. I want you, I'm going to stay in a place where I can be reproved, where I can be rebuked, where I can be exhorted. That's why you don't want to go running off on your own and do your own kind of little Christian thing off in the corner without having Christian community around you because often there's you know strength and protection that God brings in community. You want to make sure you get connected and you stay connected, but we want to make sure that we are people who watches? It's interesting. I'll say this one last thing. We're going to the next verse. Go right back to the start. What did what did what did the serpent say to Eve? He didn't say, "Forget God. Don't listen to him. Listen to me." God doesn't know what he's talking about. No, he just said, "Did God really say?" And he started twisting what was there. That's why, that's why this faithfulness. And part of my heart is, as, as pastor is to bolster us and to strengthen us and to cultivate this faithfulness so we don't get taken out by things. Now, let, let's move to a, another passage. Now, I'll tell you guys about it. Today is more of a sobering message. It's more of a sobering word. This next passage is going to get even more, even more so. Matthew 24, 9 to 14. And it says, this is Jesus talking about he says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. I told you, it's getting better and better right now. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, let me just share a couple things. I don't know about you. This passage quite often would freak me out a little bit. I'm not going to get you to raise your hands, but this kind of passage, you know, it's kind of like this is not the verse that I'll put on my refrigerator. Right? This is not a screensaver verse. Right? It's not something I'm putting on the wallpaper on my phone. I mean, maybe I need to, but it's not my go-to. Right? It's not my, my you know, maybe some of you are listening just going, man, I came in for an encouraging word today. This is getting worse and worse and worse, Pastor. But see, here's the point. This is part of if we believe the Bible, then we've got to look at the whole Bible. We've got to look at what Jesus said to us. And, and, and you know, sometimes we need some buck leaves. Right? You know, the medicine tastes horrible, but it works. Well, hopefully this is a little better than Buckley's. But here's the point is if you just get, if we, and this is part of, I've got to get this pastor. If I, if I just preach certain things all the time and I don't prepare us for some of the challenges that come as well too, I'm not doing my, my job. And, and it's Jesus' word. But here's some things that I want to encourage you. In, in many ways, this passage speaks of end times. I think, though, it also can be very much applied. If you look at this passage, it can be applied that challenges that Christians face throughout generations. Because I promise you, the things we talk about here, every generation since Jesus ascended to heaven, you'll find Christians somewhere in the earth that are facing this kind of thing. But then there's a culmination as we come to the end of the age. 
But here's the first thing why, you know, because some people you can read this, you can get kind of depressed, right? It's almost like reading these kind of verses is just so depressing. It's like, oh my gosh, what's, what's happening here? But here's what I want to encourage you. First and foremost, the number one rule of biblical interpretation is you always interpret a scripture in light of other scriptures. So this is talking about some of the challenges of the end days. This is challenging some of the challenges Christians will face. But you've got to make sure you interpret this as well. In all the verses that talk about the glory of God that's going to be poured out in these days, about the harvest that's going to come in these days, the signs, the wonders, the healings, the miracles that are going to come in during these days. So don't just read this passage and think this is the dominant text for what's happening. Yes, this is part of it. But make sure that you understand in light of where the glory of God is coming. And he said in the days the glory of the Lord will fill the earth like water. The knowledge of the glory will fill the earth like waters cover the sea. Family, we are in the greatest days to be a Christian in the kingdom of God right now. There's more people that know Jesus than ever before. There's more people that are filled with the Spirit than ever before. There are massive moves of the Holy Spirit. Many we're, we're contending for some things in Canada, but if you go to what scholars call the global south, where it talks about South America, the continent of Africa, what God's doing through Asia, you talk about this. There is incredible mind blowing things that happening power of God being demonstrated this is the times that we're in so yes Jesus cautions us about challenges we'll face but don't lose sight of the glory that's being released come on somebody say the glory, glory. the second thing so a verse like this doesn't just freak you out you need to remember God always gives you grace for the day that you live in always come on somebody say his grace is sufficient, grace is sufficient. come on somebody say when sin abounds grace much more abounds. That means that the darker it gets, the more power God gives you to stand in that time. And sometimes we look at things and we get scared because we're only looking at ourselves instead of understanding. Here's every time the sin abounds, you've got to understand. So there's lots of sin. That means there's even more grace. Sometimes as parents, we can get worried. What kind of world are our kids coming into? What's happening? Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. God knew your children would be on the earth at this time. And God has already given them more than enough grace to not just survive, but to thrive. Amen? So we have a spirit of faith. Never allow a spirit of discouragement to come out of this. You can look at it. Now, sometimes you read certain things. You go, oh, that's, ah, that's pretty intense. But then you just go back. If sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I've got grace from Jesus for the time that I am and then the last thing I'll say about this is it's really important. Sometimes, I would say this, uh, I can open a whole can of worms. But let me just say this. I think there's an element of this passage that definitely impacts the end of days. But some people right now, now this is my personal thought right now. Some people, oh, there's so much to say about this. Okay, I got to figure out how to say this. Let me say this. Some people are seeing it right now like we're just going off a cliff and this is the end. I think we got a revival that's coming right now. I think we got a move of God that's coming right now. I'm not saying it may not end up going off a cliff at the end. We have to see how those things walk out, but I'm going to leave that with the Lord. But sometimes we've got to be cautious that we don't have a spirit of, of defeatism that comes into us. We are on the edge of God doing some incredible things. Don't give up on Canada yet. Come on. Come on. Don't give up yet. Do we see historically of revivals and awakenings and God bringing massive souls into the kingdom? We need to have a spirit of faith for that and to run into that. Amen? Amen. And one last thing. I'll just say this. This is my can of worms. I'll open it really quick. I'll close it really quick. If you want to talk more about afterwards, we can talk about it afterwards. Most of us are guilty of interpreting our eschatology or end time thinking through America and Canada are the center of the world. We, we, so we just got to be cautious about that. 
Because right now, in Western culture in America and Canada, there's a lot of things that are going down. But how about Brazil, where one in every four people you walk into the street right now are born-again Christians, and it's growing? How about Colombia, where I was talking with a missionary friend last, just a couple months ago, and hit this family, the Manderfields, we support them. If you're looking for an amazing family to support, you just feel like you want to give some extra, the Manderfields are incredible. They went to Colombia in the early 90s when you didn't do that. They took their four young children with them. People said they were crazy. The second day, they got robbed at gunpoint. But they said, God's called us to this nation, and we are going to be faithful in this nation. He was sharing with me, when they went 30 years ago, less than 1% of people in that nation were known as born-again Christians. Now it's at 30%. And it's not just because of them. It's because of moves of God in the nation. But sometimes, which my caution would be, you talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ in China, for example, who've walked through what they've walked through for the last 40 or 50 years. We read verses like this. We're like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. They're like, it's been here a long time for us. So, so I just, it's, it's, it's an important thought when we're thinking about to k- keep expanding to a global perspective. Or else sometimes we just build things on America and Canada are the center of the entire world, and we're not, guys. Like, we're not. So we just need that. So that's my can of worms. I opened it. I closed it. Let's go back to it for a second. So here's what we, we want to have continued seeking the Lord. Now, some things from this passage. Though. Let me share a few things from this passage with you that... I think are going to help us to understand some of the challenges to faithfulness. The first thing that we have to be faithful in the middle of and we will face is going to be tribulation. Everybody say tribulation. tribulation. Now, I know this isn't a word most of us use in our everyday lives. Like, I don't come home after a hard day and my wife say, oh, how was your day? Oh, I had tribulation today. No, we kind of deepen our voice too. Tribulation, right? We don't say that. Here's what tribulation simply means. Tribulation means pressure. Everybody say pressure. Jesus said, when you follow me and you stand for me, there's going to be times and seasons that you come under pressure. Stay faithful. That's why it said in Romans 12, 1, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conformed, actually in the original language, speaks of pressure being put on you to fit you into a certain mold. And if you're going to take a stand for Jesus in the days we're in right now, you will encounter pressure that is going to try and fit you into a mold that is not the Word of God. And you have to be prepared. And God is gracious. Remember, there's always grace. But you still have to make that decision that even in the midst of pressure, I'm going to be faithful. Guys, it's easy to be faithful when there's no pressure. But the test of faithfulness is when there's pressure trying to move you, pressure trying to beat you down, pressure pressure trying to get you to back off, but you take your stand and you say, I'm not moving, I'm staying faithful to Jesus in this moment. And you have that pressure coming against you, but you stand firm. How many people here have heard of Richard Wormbrand? Richard Wormbrand. Not many have. I want to encourage you to become familiar with this man. He was in Romania. And he and his wife were pastors, and they ended up, he wrote a book actually called Tortured for Christ. And he was suffered for several, num- a number of years there, ultimately was escaped and started a ministry called Voice of the Martyrs, which many of you may have heard of. But here's a story he talked about in the very early days. In 19, the year was 1944, and when the Soviet Union occupied Romania and began to establish a communist regime, the young pastor Richard Wurmbrandt and his wife Sabina were among many of the religious leaders in attendance at the, I find this name weird, but the Congress of the Cults held in 1945 by the Romanian communist government. 
as many religious leaders stood up to praise communism and to pledge their support in a public nationwide broadcast, Wormbrandt and his wife were sickened because they knew communism had helped lead the persecution of the Christian community. So what happened was they were taking over. They knew religion affected people, so they gathered all the religious leaders, and they basically said, uh, you need to stand up, national radio, and you need to tell everybody what we're doing is good. And it wasn't. It was, it was very anti-Christ. So they're in this spot. And I want you to pick, sometimes we hear these stories. Wormbrandt's turn to speak is coming up. All the other leaders are falling into line. And praise God for his wife. You need a godly wife. Wormbrandt's wife said, Richard, stand up and wash away the shame from the face of Christ. They're spitting in his face. To which he replied, if I do so, you lose your husband. And his wife's response, I do not wish to have a coward as a husband. <laughs> Another variation of it, she said, I'd rather be a widow than be married to a coward. <laughs> now that sounds kind of harsh, but it actually would strengthen him in that moment. I've told you this story before, but I remember some of the things going on in our nation. I was really grappling with the fact that, you know, days are coming, perhaps if I stand up and preach the word of God to you in certain areas, sexuality, some other things like that, I could go to jail. And I was having a really rough day with it. I don't want to go to jail. I mean, I'm ahead of myself. But I was, I was really, I was discouraged. I was really, I was feeling really down. So I thought, I'm going to go to my wife for some comfort. Because she, she's really good at comforting me. But, you know, I was just feeling down. I go to my wife. So I'm like, you know, I'm just having a rough day. And I'm just really hard. And I'm thinking about this. Because you know, if I just keep falling, I might go to jail. You know, I'm looking for the back rub. The, oh, it's okay, babes. You know, I understand. She looks at me. She goes, so go to jail then. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, this is not what I wanted at the moment. But, you know, it's what I needed to hear. Right? Because she was talking faithfulness. Right? I love my wife. I'm married to my wife. Nothing's going to change that. Oh, well, this is going to happen to you. Doesn't matter. Oh, we'll take this away from you. Doesn't matter because I'm faithful. But see, there's a certain steel that God wants to build into our backbones that says, even when there's pressure, I'm staying faithful. Somebody say, even when there's pressure, say, I'm staying faithful. Second one, he says, this is the next phrase, he said, put you to death. I mean, this, I don't, that, that to me is super intense. But just, let me just share a couple thoughts with you on that. We're going to keep moving and just about bring this back. Emmanuel can come join me in a second. Um, you know, sometimes you hear someone talk up and say, oh, I'm going to be a martyr. And I was, I'm a little bit like, uh, I don't want to be one. Like, I, I'm a little concerned if someone's too eager. Like, maybe there's somebody. But I think we all want to live. It's part of what God made us, right? You know, like you stand near the end of a tall building, you're like, oh, I'm backing up, right? Because there's just something in that. And sometimes we kind of, there. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you. I think it's important that we remember right now that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are facing this reality. And sometimes we're here and we're kind of comfortable and whatever. I think it's why I was praying, having that heart and understanding there's a lot of people. There's, there's brothers and sisters in Christ today who are paying this price. And we're, we're not at a spot right now where we're really dealing with this in Canada. But here's what I'll say. You can have faith in God's protection over your life. And if you ever were called to lay down your life, he'd let you know. And there would always be grace. 
Not only would there be grace, but there would be incredible eternal fruit and incredible eternal harvest. But I think it's good sometimes to step back and just to go, would I be willing if? You know, would I, would I, would I be with faithfulness? And obviously in light of eternity and in light of all these things, but it's understanding his grace. But there's faithfulness, guys. And maybe there is somebody in this room that will have the honor ultimate of laying down their life for Christ at some point. Yeah, but he'll always have grace for that. Like I said, sobering message today. <laughs> but, but there's this element of us having this heart. Furthermore, he said, I mean, it just gets better and better. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I don't, I don't like being hated. I don't like being disliked. I like getting along with people. I like having good relationships with people. But there's an element that Jesus gives us a heads up and says, you know what, there's going to be times where you're hated because you follow me. It's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with you, you're this or you're that. Sometimes it gets disguised under other things. But in the middle of that, stay faithful. Stay faithful to me. We're, if, you, if you watch, you notice, we, we, right now we are in a culture that not everybody, not all the time, but there's a lot of... There, there, is, there is hatred in certain segments, and it shows up in, in different you know, media. I don't remember the last time I watched a show on TV and saw a positive depiction of a Christian or a Christian leader. I don't remember. Now, I'm not here to whine about it or complain about it. I'm going, okay, this is what it is. But you've got to learn to discern that stuff too. Or else the enemy would try and bring us into self-hatred. So understand, there's a spiritual element to this. When you understand our battle's not against flesh and blood, we're not fighting people. We love people. We want to reach people. But there's a, there's a supernatural element to this. There's a spiritual element. And the enemy hates Jesus. He hates what he stands for. And he hates anyone who stands with him. And if anyone's under his influence, that's going to start to seep through. But here's what we do. We love our enemies. We pray for those who come against us. We stay faithful to Jesus. But I want you to know, some of you are going through something right now. And they don't hate you. They hate the Jesus in you. And they don't even understand it. And if you get pulled into hating them and going back and forth with them, the devil wins. Because Jesus' heart is to set, see them set free. But it's understanding this heart. I'm going to be faithful. Even if I'm hated, I'm going to be faithful. I, I think about this sometimes. Just got to interact with different people. I've got some friends who aren't believers and... You know, sometimes these days, I'll, you know, they'll post something and it'll be different than what I would post about something. Man, if they, if they like, will they hate me? Will they, you know, you, you battle through that stuff. But I just got to remember, I'm with Jesus. I, I, I'm not about the praise of men. I'm about the praise of God. Um, okay, got to land this plane. Uh, he says, many will fall away. I don't know if you've been discouraged. I've had moments of discouragement with people falling away from faith. Actually, not not recent thing. I had some conversation with the Lord and my wife about something this week around that. And sometimes in my heart, you know, you watch people who, you know, you preach into, you pour into, you, you believe for, you pray for, and, and one day they just walk away from God. But here's what I had to remind myself. Jesus, this is not where my faith is, but Jesus said it's going to happen. 
And part of what I've got to say, I'm going to be faithful. You know, kind of the, the popular word right now is deconstruction. It seems like it's everywhere. Part, let me just, a word of pastoral caution. I don't think it's that much more prevalent than it's been in the past. Everybody just has social media now so they can tell you about it. it it's it just, you know, kind of wisdom and discernment or else it just gets overwhelming. It gets discouraging. But here's the middle. Even if people around us do fall away, will we have that heart to be faithful? Come on, somebody say, be faithful. Come on, say it again. Be faithful. He said, many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. I already touched on that a little bit. Watch out for the enemy's strategy. It's to come in and to bring deception, to put the poison in the good food so the poison starts to get into you and you still think you're following Jesus, but you end up going pulled a different direction. That's what you want to watch. And lastly, he says, because of this, the lawlessness will be increased and the love of many will grow cold. Interesting dynamic there. Um, Oh, so much I could preach into that, but we're going to bring this to a close. Lawlessness. Lawlessness is a rejection of God's law and God's standards. And it's, it's rampant right now, guys. People say, I'm a Christian, but I'm... It's like, but you're, you're totally not following God's ways. Well, who are you to say to me that I'm this or that? It's like, no, but see, you, you get into that range... And it gets lawlessness. There's this total lack of the standard of God. And because of this, our love grows cold. It reminds me of Revelation where it talks about lukewarmness. Guard against lukewarmness. Stay fiery for Jesus. Stay close to him. Right? When, you, when, you, when you're staying close to the fire and you're staying fiery and you're following him with all your heart and you're saying, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be faithful to your word. I'm going to be faithful to what you've said. Come what may, I will obey. I'm going to follow you with all of my heart. You have this heart for faithfulness in you. It keeps you fiery. But there's something about staying close to the fire of God that keeps you safe from what the enemy wants to do. He doesn't like the fire. He can't go with the fire. But if you start to drift into lukewarmness, if you start to drift into lawlessness, ah, it's not that big. Some of you in here, you used to have a stick standard, a high standard with God. You used to have a high standard of how you lived. You used to have a high standard of how you prayed. Yeah, maybe you were a little too intense sometimes. Maybe you got a little legalistic sometimes, but your heart was to have a high standard. But over time, things start creeping out. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter that much. You look at other Christians, right? They don't seem so intense. And all of a sudden, what you're actually doing is your heart is growing cold. Today, come back to the fire. Today, come back to the heart because it matters. It really matters. It really, really matters. Come back to your heart for him. In this last part, he said, and I love this. We're going to finish this. He said, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I love the contemporary English version. It says, but if you keep on being faithful right to the end, you will be saved. Come on, somebody say, keep on being faithful. Guys, if you face persecution, keep on being faithful. If you face pressure and tribulation, keep on being faithful. If there's even a threat on your life at some point in the future, keep on being faithful. If you're going through where you really, uh, there's hatred against you, there's things that are coming against you, keep on being faithful. Even if everyone around you falls away, if everyone around you turns their back, if people are at you about it, keep on being faithful faithful. Make a commitment in your heart that you will keep being faithful. Come on, somebody keep, someone say, keep on being faithful. Guys, sometimes 
Sometimes it's hard. You just feel pressure from every side. And it seems dark and you're having a hard time knowing what to do. This is real talk. You don't feel God. Reading your Bible, you don't feel like you're getting anything. But there's something about just saying, you know what? There's a lot I don't know right now. Here's what I know. I know Jesus. I know he loves me. I know his word. And I'm going to keep on being faithful. Someone says, yeah, well, can you explain this and explain that? Ah, I don't know if I can explain all that right now. I can figure all that out. But I know Jesus. I know. I know him. I know when, when we had that miscarriage in our first year of marriage, and I was all alone in a birthing room after we lost the baby and they're wheeling my wife away so she can have a DNC. And I don't even know if she's coming back. And I feel at the lowest point I ever, I know that in that moment that the presence of Jesus came into the room and he was there with me. So I may not be able to explain everything all the time and figure everything out, but I know him and I'm not gonna turn my back on him. I'm gonna stay faithful. And I'm talking to somebody right now because maybe you're in a dark place and maybe you're under a lot of pressure, but the word of the Lord for you is hold on, the sun is coming. Hold on, the light is coming. Hold on, the change is coming. Keep on being faithful. Come on, somebody say it with me. Keep on being faithful. Come on, say it again. I'm gonna be faithful. Say it one more time. I'm gonna be faithful. And I want to invite you. I'm just going to finish up here. Stand to your feet. If you want me to pray with you, I'm going to pray for myself that we will be faithful, that we will keep on being faithful. Come on, just raise your hands, Lord. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that is here right now. I thank you that faithfulness, there's a grace for faithfulness. There's a grace for faithfulness that you've given us strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us that we don't have to develop faithfulness just in our own strength. But there is a grace from you. And I pray for a fresh impartation of that grace and that anointing today of that fire that we will keep on being faithful. We will keep on being faithful no matter what. And Father, for those who I'm particularly preaching to today who needed this word, I pray that you put a fresh fire in their heart. I pray that you put a fresh steel in their backbone in the spirit today and that they will keep being faithful in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, God. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there is grace. Your grace is sufficient. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Now we've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. Though none go with us, still we will follow. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. Long for 
God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Your presence. presence of your spirit. Marcus. Thank you. There are faithful people in this room right now. That we are faithful. And we will keep being faithful. And we'll 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 keep on, keep on, keep on being faithful. Strengthen us in this today. Help us just to be a a church family that is faithful. In Jesus' name. So here's what we're going to do. We we need to bring it to a close. We need to release kids. So parents, go get your kids. So forth. But I've just got the team just to worship a little bit more. If you just want to worship, if you just want to sit in the presence of God for a little bit, you can do it. If you need to go, obviously, feel free to go. We've received a ton from God today. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask some of our connection leaders to be here at the front. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you're here and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, I need to get right with God, we're going to have some leaders up here that can pray with you. But guys, I want to encourage you, there's some amazing days that are ahead of us, but they are going to be days that require faithfulness. Amen? Amen. So Father, just bless everyone today. Thank you for taking us deeper in faithfulness in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for Eric today and the step he took. God, we just pray massive blessing over him, God, and his family. Lord, we thank you for uh, just uh, a great day. Can see a great summer for everyone here, but thank you that we are cultivating faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said, amen. Uh, amen. Praise God. If I can get some of our leaders, if you guys just come to the front and be here and available, if you need prayer, if you need to get your life right with God, if you need to go today, you can feel free to go. Um, We love you. Joy Ministry is doing a special lunch, 55 plus, so they want me to make sure I give that invite. Anybody wants to come for that. Um, Lots of other things going on, but God bless you guys. Let's do it. Let's be faithful.